Thank you for tuning back in to Killing the Great White Male. This is episode 25. We left off last time talking about policy and just the importance of examining how we can change policy rather than trying to change just hearts and minds. We're always going to get to do that work. We always are going to be able to sit down and say, no, there's a case for this, and it's important to listen to. But changing the policy reframes the conversation. So let's do our best Patrick Stewart and engage. I, the other thing I, I will say is what I appreciate about this is and why I think we need to be critical, even though, like, bluntly, I'm going to vote for, for Biden-Harris. Just, But what I appreciate about critical conversation is it reminds me, those, that's the shit I got to keep an eye on with these two. Is I got to keep an eye on, <laughs> like, because one of the things that has happened in this country is we have federal funding involved in our schools. We have federal funding involved in our police. And those were very important steps to, to be able to equalize things between uh, and, and to bring standards that around basic human issues. Um, so one of the ways that we end up solving the disparity of that, of the student spending, right, is that federal funding mm-hmm. helps make up that difference um, or supposed to. Um, and it's supposed to, right. Yeah, it's supposed to. Um, so let's be real clear that sometimes that federal funding really is important and necessary, but then how does it get applied ends up being really fucked up sometimes. So the reason to be critical of them, even though, again, I'm going to vote for them, I'm, I'm not sure I can say that it'll be a clean conscience, but, um, he said, but that's, that's the route I'm going, <laughs> but, but, but. Sometimes uh, yeah. you know, and that and that that reminds me of another thing that was said in the book. Yeah, the yeah. Um, if you guys are reading along with us, page twenty-three, it has like fighting an addiction. Being yes. an anti-racist requires persistent self-awareness, constant self-criticism, and regular self-examination, which is what you're saying right now. Yep. It, but as I say that, I'm saying that because later on down the line, he talks about generalizations that we make throughout. Um, the throughout our from our point of view throughout the communities yes like like you said like biden and harris you said is somebody who you're going to vote for but these are the things that i have to watch out for a lot of people would generalize biden and harris and say this is how the democratic party is Mm. no according to the book we should be saying this is how biden and harris is yes and we shouldn't be saying this is the democratic party as a whole because all of them don't believe that same thing with the Republican Party. Uh, the Republican oh, Party are no, a bunch don't, of, don't, oh God, okay. They're a bunch of Trump stumpers who grab them by the the YSSUP and and they're racist. And that's how yeah. the Republican Party is. No, that's how Trump is. <laughs> we shouldn't generalize everybody. If I've learned, if, if if it was one, if it was a few takeaways that I had, that was one of the the biggest takeaways that I had. And it really hit home when he told the story about his um, HBC, the HBCU um, conversation he had with his Temple or FAMU alumni at Temple University when he was going through his graduate program. Is it okay if I tell that story? Oh, yeah, yeah, go, go. So that one hit home for me and 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 gaining some of that understanding of how we generalize things. And this is a conversation I have with my wife. I'm to a predominantly white institution, AKA a PWI. And my wife went to HBCU again, a historically black college and university. 
She went to Alabama A&M. And in the book, uh, Ibram X goes to um, Florida A&M um, University, affectionately known in Florida as FAMU. Mm-hmm. When, when he was attending his graduate program at, at Temple, he had another FAMU alumni in one of his African study classes. And in the African study classes, they were very proud of the HBCUs that they went to. But as, as everybody was showing their affection for the HBCUs, which he has affection for his, his, his own at FAMU, he was one of the few that had an alumni in that same class with him. The only thing is this alumni did not like, they did not like their experience at FAMU. Yeah. And he finally became he mustered up the courage to say, why are you always talking about FAMU? I love FAMU. We're, we're FAMU alumni. Why, why won't you just, what is it that makes you hate FAMU? And she said, they messed up my transcripts. Yeah. And I, I had that conversation with my wife as I was going through the book. And I, I told her that story. She's like, oh, oh my gosh, these HBCUs, they do mess up. They do, they, you have to be on top of your stuff with an HBCU. They mess up transcripts. They'll mess up your your um your your funding it's anything when it comes to paperwork they mess it up and i and and as he as i go back to the book and and tell the story he's telling this story to to show how her hate for fam use messing up her transcript has now given her a hate for hbcus in totality not the individual who messed up her her transcript but HBCUs in totality. And the reason why I say in totality, because my wife also agreed with that, that same totality as she shared her experiences about how she spent a, the summer getting her stuff ready for the fall classes, because she feels that way about HBCUs, even though she loves her HBCU as well. But then she goes, he goes on to continue to ask her about the schools that she attended. She attended a, a PWI school that, literally stole her funding from her, yes. but yet she still speaks affectionately about it. Yes. And it's those type of, it's those type of situations that bring awareness to, Oh my gosh, we do, we do do that. So, so PWIs in her white, eyes, are, we give the past to the white yeah. institution, but right. They're still cool. They, yep. It, right. It was, it was like this PWI, this, this, this predominantly white institution, they just messed up this one time. Yep. It was that person that was there that stole the money. They normally don't have people that steal money. But instead of lending that same response to the HBCU of they only messed up, this one person messed up my transcript, and that happened just this one time, she categorizes everyone, every HBCU. is like all HBCUs suck because yep. they, they, they don't have a, a good administration plan. They suck. And the PWIs, they used to have that. So that conversation went on in my house, and I go, we do generalize. Um, it's kind of how we do the, the race of people. Yep. We say, we see on TV, uh, you there? I lost you. Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you got a you got a little podcast. We know you're hitting record and you're gonna edit it out. It's okay. <laughs> and if you don't know how to edit it out, you can send it to me. I'll edit it out. <laughs> we'll get it. it was, I love that it's in there um, though. That's fun. Okay, so 
what I was saying was the this is how we generalize our society. We see yeah. a, a a black man shot by a police officer, and we immediately jump to the conclusion that all police officers are bad. So we need to defund the police. We need to um, deal with police brutality because every police officer officer is bad. And the same thing goes the other way. Police officers look at people in black communities. Oh my gosh, this is a dangerous black man. I need to be on my guard, which is the reason why they end up shooting um, at, at black bodies, black and brown bodies a little bit more often than they handle their, the um, bodies of Caucasian men and women. So, so these generalizations are very, they have a, a high level of effect on how we treat and, and how we walk through society, which is something that you have to be aware of. It's a consistent self-criticism and regular self-examination you have to take, you have to take part in in order to be an anti-racist. So this is, this part of the book, by the way, is like 98, 99, he really unpacks this, but he uses the term throughout the book, white judge and black judge. Um, white judge being the external white gaze that looks at him and sees, you know, a black man to be scared of and his internal black judge that is, uh, you know, afraid of letting down all black people from all time if he fucks up. Um, Oh, let me tell you that that is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Being a black guy, uh, Royce, I, I can't speak to how many times that I've been, that my podcast has been listened to Mm -hmm. and they say you have a responsibility and you know, you can't say things like this because it comes down on all people. And I go, no, that's my opinion. I don't, I don't ask anybody to take on my opinion. I just share what my opinion is. As, as Ibram says, I'm I'm just telling the truth. I'm not trying to be objective to a specific group of people. This is what I believe in. I'm not a person who's going to believe in everything Democratic or everything Republican or everything Black or everything white. I, I, I share a view that's my point of view. And I, that point of view can be changed because I'm consistently looking at it. That So this is the struggle, I think, because he, he links on 98 sweeping generalizations to the sense of being judged, like just fucking nails mm-hmm. that link. And then... On page 99, he starts looking at the nation's report card. And I think it was a perfect example of like how data gets misused by our brains, and uh, which can sometimes be unintentional. I'm going to give, you know, our, our brain is highly associational. And so we got to stay on top of it constantly. But then how it does also get abused intentionally by, and he would say, Oh God, what's his phrase for that? For self-interest, power, right? Um, right. And so he he looks at the like performance um, on the national report card, and how that ends up being extrapolated to say, well, um, black kids aren't as good at math and in fourth grade. Okay, when when I look at that with my eyes as a teacher, and I say. I'm fucking something up because the kids in my classroom aren't learning this the way they need to, which means I got to figure out a different way to facilitate that learning, which is the purpose of those fucking things is supposed to be internal self. Like uh, we're supposed to be self-critical when we look at those and we go, okay, so what am I, what can I change? What can I try to do differently as a, as a person who facilitates learning so that this kid is, so the kids really do in my classroom have an equal opportunity to learn. 
um, but it gets abused instead and gets general generalized, right? So very much so. What's that? I said very much so. So, like, and then when we look at, for example, the interaction you described, um, all cops are are evil versus all black people are criminals. I just got it, you know. I got to defend myself because he's a dangerous black man. Um, when we look at at that, it like I don't know what to do with this because first off, on the 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 racist perspective of those trying to control people, which let's face it, policing in this country has become about controlling people instead of serving people, and that right there, like right. the second we go there, that self interest and that power fucks everything up. Which is actually one of my few arguments with Kendi is is around that whole thing. We'll talk about that at some point. <laughs> but um, when, uh, but then when we look at how the notion that this black man is dangerous or this black man is a criminal is formed, it's all formed off of bad data and misconceptions and shitty media. Like the fact is, the media is terrible. Yeah, as Charles Barkley would say, terrible awful just turn <laughs> yeah i mean it i remember reading a book by a guy uh, i don't know how to say his last name mike Males. males uh anyway that book was called framing youth um back again mm-hmm. back in like 2006 i think it was uh, and he was making the argument against the notion that teens are the problem um but one of the huge studies that he was looking at there um showed that it was it was men between it was white men between the ages of 25 and so he was looking at like my memory says three or four different studies so one was white men between 25 and 35 one was white men between 25 and 40 another was 25 to 45 but anyway that demographic was responsible for the vast majority of crime in this country and disproportionately so so uh, mm-hmm. even after you control for class, after you control for education, those kinds of things, disproportionately so, this is actually the problem group. Um, and and yet when I look at these things and these generalizations, I just flip my shit because it's like I know yeah, the, I the media, the, the terrible media doesn't report on these these things. And A, B, then when you look at uh, uh, incarceration rates or conviction rates, um, you know, so because the, these studies, he, that book was fabulous. It did a fantastic job of like tracing the whole fucking process of, you know, then looking at the, okay, so what happens in the, in the charges, you know, who gets charged with what white men are charged with lesser crimes at a massively disproportionate rate. Um, and then you look at what happens in the courtroom, uh, who's offered plea deals. So we're talking about convictions there and the gap between felonies and misdemeanors, same crime is committed. A white man will end up pleading to a misdemeanor and a black man will get end up uh, only having the option of pleading to a felony. Again, huge percentage of the time. Then you look at what happens in the jury selection. And again, I bring up the John Oliver thing from a few weeks ago where he outlines like what happens when there's just a single person of color on a jury. The conviction rate equalizes between, uh, I think that study was looking at uh, black offenders and white offenders. Um yeah, when it comes to when it comes to all white jurors versus just one black juror being on there, one and the, uh, the way they quoted it in the John Oliver episode, it wasn't even necessarily a black person on the jury; it was just a person of color, which is shocking to me because some of the most virulent uh, 
racist notions are between our oppressed groups. Hmm. Right? Very much so. So Yeah, very much so. Like, just the presence of a person of color fucks with white people's shit enough that makes them say, maybe I can't say that. But, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's my assumption. I, I don't know what's going on there. It's a study, so look at the study instead of what I'm saying. But, like, anyway, this book did a fantastic job of, like, tracing all the way through the thing. So, first off, when a cop is assuming that the black man must be a criminal or the black man must be uh, uh, committing a crime or be more violent or any of that shit. The facts don't bear it out. The facts are 100% against that. So it's our own inherent behavior that we've learned throughout media and, and, and upbringing and segregated groups of people. And <laughs> these are our own things. I, I know you, you were talking yeah. about being a teacher and talking about the, the gaps and and in the book he he laid out how the educational the educational gap or achievement gap yeah not just he 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 that's when he I, I think for me that's when he really drove home how the policies that are put in place not well not let me let me erase that not so much the policies that are put in place how the circumstances that that are different um not just for this is not a racial line when it, when it comes to the circumstances, this is really more of a class line when it comes to the circumstances. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, yeah. The standardized testing yeah. and, and how IQ is measured. And he even, he, he, he goes back to, to, to reference the, the creator of the IQ test and the SAT test. Yeah. And he, he goes how, um, there's eugenics. William Shockley. Yeah. And oh, so much. And, and he just drives home the point like, hey, me, I, I was able to spend the money on getting the the um, pre-course for the SAT, yeah. which teaches you how to take, which teaches you how to take the SAT. It's not making yeah. me smarter. It just teaches me how to do it. And, and he say versus something you can't spend the money on how to take that test. Again, it doesn't make me smarter. But when I get my SAT scores back, and it says I'm I'm at I have the 200 point higher score than the average person. Yep. And that's because I I, I pay for the class to teach me how yes. to take the test, not that I'm any smarter than the person taking the test or any yep. less smarter than the person taking the test. I just had money to be able to learn how to take the test differently. Standardized testing. It's never a measure of intelligence. And if you didn't catch it in the interview, to be really clear, all of today's standardized tests draw their roots from a movement that was eugenic, that was about trying to show that white people were a superior race. So this notion of how to take the test being... Well, the determining factor as to an individual's success, that it's actually learning how to take the test that determines whether or not you do well on an SAT or an IQ test, knowing that how to take the test, well, it just starts to sound like another Jim Crow bullshit law. This isn't law. It's instead the barriers put up for institutions of higher education that we're talking about in this particular circumstance, but this kind of shit exists all over the place. How do we spot it? How do we change it? How do we reshape the policies? 
that put that white supremacist crap in place? These are the questions I'm sitting with after <laughs> after reading this and after hearing uh, this conversation with TL. So thanks for listening. If you haven't shared this podcast recently, please do. Just throw it up there on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you're playing with these days. Um, TikTok before it dies. Uh, but yeah, share it around. More conversation is good. We'll talk to you soon.